everybody. What's going on? Welcome to The Sneaky Emu. My name is Seth, and I will be your host, your guide, your navigator of the things to come. I don't know what that means. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. This is episode number 10. Episode number 10. At this point, I feel like we're getting to know each other fairly, fairly well. Do, do we need to have a name for the people who listen to the podcast? Like the group, like what is it? Lady, Lady Gaga has the monsters or something. Do we need to have a following that people can connect to? For example, I don't have any examples. <laughs> what, what would you call it? The, the, the emu nights, the, the, I don't know, the, the sneakers, the, okay, let's move on from that idea. Uh, (laughs) I'm just, I'm just glad you're here, whatever you want to call yourself. Mom, thanks for listening. I know that you're my biggest fan and I'm ever grateful to your unconditional love. There you go. All right. So episode 10 the sneaky emu, where we're talking about uh, trying to discover the divine that is always all around us, the ever present, the ever presentness of the beauty of life, the beauty of love that is ever before us. Whether we're talking about scripture or just life in general, uh, that's what we're that's what we're up to. Hopefully, you've kind of figured that out by now, as we've gotten into this a few uh, uh, a few couple episodes. And today, I, I was going through some some of my old writings, and I found this one that I thought was was pretty fun and pretty interesting. Uh, and so we'll call today uh, The Speed of Love and Turtles. The Speed of Love and Turtles. And I don't know if I've used this anywhere else. I think this is just a writing I did, uh, maybe like out of, on my blog, uh, which I don't do anymore, which I explained in the first episode, whatever. So if you've read those, which I don't think you did, because I think three people read it, and I'm not sure you were on that list. So this should be new and fresh and exciting for you. If you're already familiar with it, that's okay too. It's still fun. You can um, you know, use, my, use the sound of my voice to fall asleep to or something. I don't know. So the speed of love and turtles. Okay, that's, that's, that's what we're calling today. Um, now, my grandpa uh, from my dad's side, Grandpa Kane, he had a saying... For any time people piled into his car to go somewhere, once everyone got into his car, uh, everyone was ready, we would pull out of the driveway, and he would say, off like a herd of turtles. Off like a herd of turtles. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know how it got started. I don't know why it's a thing. I don't believe there's such a thing. I don't believe turtles are classified as herds. I think it's just a fun joke that he picked up from somewhere, which, of course, Right, the whole thing when you're little, uh, a herd of turtles seems silly. It's ridiculous. It's fun, whatever. Now, with my own kids and my own family, we kind of have adopted this phrase, but we've put our own little twist on it. You know, uh, in light of, in honor of Grandpa, and uh, just to make it kind of our own thing. And so, when we, as a family, or my kids, get in the car. Uh, we have this kind of similar call and response that we go through, and we say, or I say, we, uh, herd of turtles, and then the kids respond, off we go. And so I've been doing that since they were, were little, and now it's just kind of part of what we do. If we're going on a trip, herd of turtles, 
off we go, you know. Um, and so it's just part of, I don't know, family fun type stuff. Uh, it's been something uh, we've, we've carried now for, I don't know, a couple years, I guess. Um, if you've ever tried to load three kids, uh, three little kids into a car, then you understand that it is it is like the exact opposite of anything fast. So it's kind of fitting. And maybe that's why it works for us because it is actually like trying to herd a herd of turtles. <laughs> it takes it takes a long time. Between the three different personalities of the kids, it takes a long time. One uh, takes a while to get ready because things have to be a particular way. One is just very slow, and the other one is just kind of always doing their thing, and it takes us a minute. So, um, speaking of turtles, <laughs> smooth transition. Did you know the average speed of the average turtle on land is somewhere around three miles an hour? Three miles an hour. Uh, because somebody took time to measure it, to to clock it. Who got that job? Hey, Jim, uh, you got that radar detector? You got that radar gun? <laughs> Why don't you see it? It's, I think it was probably board cops. It was board cops trying to, uh, at a speed trap, and they saw a turtle crossing the road, and then they pretended like they were going to write it a ticket. I don't know. So the average speed of an average turtle, right? We're not talking about like a super turtle or a ninja turtle, an average turtle, three miles an hour, which is approximately twice as fast as my kids move when I'm in a hurry, by the way. <laughs> what's, what's interesting about the speed of the average turtle, uh, which is about three miles an hour, is that that is also about the average speed of an average human walking at an average pace. So if you take, yeah, three miles an hour for the average turtle, about three miles an hour for the average human. Now, not if you're walking slow. If you're, if you're out on a, if you're meandering, you may be slower. If you're speed walking for the Olympic gold record in speed walking, the Olympic gold, you may be a bit faster than three miles an hour. But on average, the average human walks about three miles an hour. Um, average humans move the same speed as average turtles. <laughs> Which is funny, by the way, because we think of turtles as being the slow ones. And in general, we're all about the same speed, which is interesting. Now, there is a Japanese theologian, another smooth transition. Thank you very much. There is a Japanese theologian by the name of uh, Kasuki Ko Koyama. Kasuki Koyama, and he wrote a book called The Three Mile an Hour God, which is really interesting to me. Couple things. First of all, there's a Japanese theologian. <laughs> Have you ever thought about how different people from different cultures may read or approach the Bible? What like when people when people study the Bible or think through uh I don't know, scholarly type stuff. 
do you picture people from different cultures, different ethnicities, diff- entirely different backgrounds and worldviews having opinions about the Bible? Right? I think, I think sometimes we get caught in this little bubble, the American bubble that says, oh, no, no, we have, we have the monopoly on how to think about these things. But the reality is there's a whole lot of people in the world from all different kinds of backgrounds with all different worldviews that w- can read into the scriptures an entirely different understanding. I mean, have you thought about how people from different cultures may read and approach the Bible. I imagine reading the Bible through a non-American lens would lead us to a bunch of different ideas about God and the Bible than the ones we currently hold. Right? Even even there's a concept or idea, a particular way of understanding uh, the Bible. Um, that's uh, what's it? There's like slaveholder religion, which is kind of like the white old school version of how we understand the Bible, which is what would allow people to justify things like slavery back in the day. Did you know? Um, or uh, what's another term for it? Uh, to, to think of, uh, of the scripture through um, like the, the redemptive justice type perspective, right? Because if you've had a particular upbringing or a particular background, or you come from a people who are much more in tune with or in need with uh, in need of rescue and redemption, you're going to cling to those particular parts of the scripture. In fact, there was a um, there was a, I came across the thing and forgive me, I, I don't have it in front of me. Just as kind of came into my memory, uh, there was a a particular uh, theologian scholar type fella who did this experiment that, that actually portrays this exact thought. Um, so he had several people at, in his like college-level class. Um, they read through the story of the prodigal son. You know, the, uh, if you're familiar with that story, the one son takes his inheritance from his father. He goes, lives his particular kind of life, squanders all of his inheritance, comes home, and then, you know— we often tell that story in light of the primary thrust of the story being about the father welcoming the son home, which is is a beautiful story, a wonderful story. There's a lot surrounding that story, uh, not just that moment that is is even more incredible. Uh, so he had his students read through the story, and then he had them like close the Bible and then tell that story to a partner uh, from memory. And then what he what he wanted to see was what kind of details or what were the things that those particular students um, picked up on. Now the class itself was was pretty diverse. People, uh, kids from all different uh, economic uh, classes, struck what different levels of economics, uh, different um, different races, different genders, whatever. So it was a very diverse class. And then what he what he clued in on was there's a particular um, piece in that story, which I, I, when I heard this, I didn't even really remember it either, is that it, part of the story says there was a famine in the land when the prodigal son was away from his family. And so part of the reason that he went home was not just because he had this crisis of conscience and he was like homesick or whatever, 
But it talks about there was famine in the land, which caused him to want to return home. So it th- there was more to that story. Uh, in America, there was a th- there was a, a, a very small percent of the students who retold that story that included the detail of the famine. Now, the guy had the opportunity to do the same experiment. He went to Russia uh, a few years after. He did the same experiment, had him read through the story of the prodigal son, and then retell that story to a partner without looking at it. And it was, you know, there was less diversity within the classroom, but they were all Russian. And he noticed that when they told the story, something like 80 to 90 percent of the of the Russian kids reading that story included the detail about the famine contributing to the son's return home. Now, the reason that's interesting is because when he did this experiment, these kids would have been like uh, not far removed from a major time of famine in Russia. And so for them, because they had been have experienced a famine or uh, or their family had experienced, you know, their parents had experienced famine, that was something that they picked up on in the story that the kids in America who haven't experienced famine, who have typically had more than enough food to eat, kind of glossed over and overlooked. So the whole concept, the whole idea to me is, man, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to hear somebody from a completely different worldview give their perspective and see to be able to see the Bible or the Scripture through their lens and what pops out to them or what stands out to them that we, through American Western eyes, would completely overlook. All that to say, there was a Japanese theologian? (laughs) Yeah, I bet he's got a pretty cool perspective on things. Um, and the second thing about this, uh, our, our buddy uh, Kasuko, Kasuki Kayoma and his book, The Three Mile an Hour God, that's kind of a cool name for a book. <laughs> that was the two things. One, there's a Japanese theologian, question mark, and two, what a great name for a book, uh, especially in light of our discussion about the, the turtles and the average speed of a turtle and the average speed of the average human, which is three miles an hour, which is not very fast at all. <laughs> now, uh, part of what he tries to get to in his book has to do with the idea of the beauty of the incarnation. That is God taking on the form of man and walking among us. Um, the beauty of the incarnation is that through Jesus... God becomes fully fully human and fully divine, which is a whole different topic, sometimes hard to wrap our heads around, but that's the general idea of the incarnation. And so what uh, Kasuki points out is that when God, who is love, becomes human, God, who is love, love beca- begins to breathe and move and walk as a human. Which is to say that God through Jesus would have also had an average walking pace of about three miles an hour. This is an interesting thought. (laughs) Like, God who is love became man. Man has an average walking speed, which is essentially to say that love became man 
And so love has a walking speed. So love has a speed. Love moves at about three miles an hour. (laughs) The point is, love moves slow. Love moves slow. Slowness and love are connected. Now, when we think about the world that we live in and the fast-pacedness of our lives and our schedules and our calendars and school kicking off and uh, the kids' activities getting back into swing, could it be that in our modern non-stop world, we move too fast, we move too quickly to love at the depths of love that we've been created to love with? Um, it's, it's difficult to love people when we are in a hurry, isn't it? Have you, have you found yourself, uh, for me, I've noticed that when I am in a hurry and I try to get my kids to go somewhere, you know, the herd of turtles, off we go. When we try to get them to go somewhere, my levels of love diminish with great significance. <laughs> this is the moment where parents start to lose their minds. And it's not that we love them less, but our love is... Uh, less visible, do, um, it, our impatience is more tangible than the depths of our love in these moments. <laughs> I remember there was one time when my daughter was much younger and I was taking her somewhere to school or something and she was going on and on about stuff and she was just going so slow and I was in a, like this hyper sense of hurry and I was losing my patience, and I started to yell at her, like, we have to go, we have to go, whatever. Obviously, it was super important. It was so important, I can't remember it. Uh, But at the time, it felt super important. And I remember she got, like, it hurt her feelings, and she started to cry, and just, like, started to bawl because her dad had lost her patience with her. And uh, I remember it absolutely broke my heart, like, uh, what did you do? And so we, we like, I, I remember it was like, she was just being, beginning to like talk and be being able to articulate things. And I remember having this conversation and, uh, and asking her what was wrong and like trying to really, it was the first kid, you know, like when you, when you still care about stuff like that, <laughs> uh, uh, it's funny cause it's true kind of. Um, but I remember her, her saying like, she, in, in the middle of her tears saying like, dad, I just, I wanted to tell you, I loved you, but you just kept yelling at me to get in the car. And I was like, oh, it was like a double stab to the heart with a giant knife or something, you know, because it wasn't just that I was, I was being impatient. It was that the thing that was slowing her up is that, oh, she was making me a card. That's what it was. She was making me a card that was telling me how much she loved me as being her dad. And so I'm yelling at her and then she shows me the card and in the middle of her tears and then I start crying and then it's just a big puddle of sadness. (laughs) Could it be that in our world where we are moving moving so fast that we are potentially moving too fast to actually see people 
and love people the way that we have been designed to do so. Um, what would it look like for us to slow down and actually see people? Uh, what would it look like to slow down to the, to the speed of average turtles, to the speed of average humans, and to actually move at the speed of love? The speed of love. Yeah, that might look a little bit different. Um, I feel like in my own life, and, and my, my natural tendency is I'm not, I'm not a hyper extro- extrovert. I'm primarily introverted, but I have, I have a job that requires extroversion. Is that a word? That requires me to be a bit an extrovert to some degree. And so when I have those moments of, of being on, it is for me, it's, it's draining for myself. Uh, the, uh, my dad, who, who was a pastor, he, he, he thrives off of those type of situations. So if I give a message or whatever, by the time I get done with it and say hey to everybody and make my way home, I'm exhausted. I'm drained. It takes a lot. Somebody like my dad, if you're an extrovert and you, you feed off of other people's energy, like you love these sorts of things. So for me, if because of my introvertedness and because I'm typically like on a schedule or on a mission of some sort, I've got to get home, I've got to get the kids, I've got to get to work, I've got to run this errand, I, I don't have the time or the margin to love people uh, in, in a way that they may need it. My, my wife is really good at this kind of stuff, although she maintains a, a generally busier schedule than I do, but she will stop and take the time to love people. Uh, to, to, she, she will help the guy or lady on the side of the road. She will be the one that stops to give food. And I, I'm for, I support all these. I support all that. It's also why she might be late sometimes, but you just got to go with it. Um, but I wonder sometimes because we're, we are busy because we're moving at a much faster pace in a modern world. Are we missing, are we missing out on the ability to love the way that we were created to love? Are, are we moving too fast to care deeply from one another? I don't know. It's just a thought. Maybe speed has nothing to do with it at all at all. And it's a condition of the heart. But I can tell you, um, in the times, uh, let me think. There, so I've been on several type of mission trips in different places in the world. Uh, been to Haiti multiple times, Africa for three months at one time, uh, India for a couple of weeks, um, Guatemala, Honduras, all these places. I noticed when uh, in in a couple of my trips to Haiti and Africa, this sort of thing, when I didn't have really a schedule um, of my of my own, like I didn't have my normal routine, I didn't have the normal things I was supposed to be up to or be about. I also didn't have my own form of transportation. And so I spent a lot of time walking and you know moving at the speed of <laughs> of love, three miles an hour. Walking from point A to point B, when I was in Africa, I would have to walk to the market to get um, 
I would get like a, a loaf of bread each day and then like a thing of milk, a couple things of fruit. And then that would be my primary source of nutrients for the day. But anytime I walked from the the missionary housing I was at to the local market, which was really just down a couple dirt roads, that's where I would interact with people. That's where, because I couldn't not interact because I'm walking. And so as these people are hanging out in their homes or on the street, that's how we would make connections. And so I remember, you know, part of it was just because I was, I was a white guy in a not white area. And so I stood out, you know, like a white guy. Um, but the little kids would come up to me and want to, you know, just like hold my hand or just touch my skin because it was different than theirs. Um, and there was these kind of deep, there was these connections that were made because of the speed, the pace that I was moving at, which was a, a general, an average walk to the grocery, not grocery, to, to the market, whatever you want to call it, to the, to the lady with the stand that had the fruit. <laughs> uh, but that's where, that's where like the, the, those relationships began to develop. And so I would walk there, I would, you know, as, as much as I could communicate, we would have a little chat. Um, I would stand around with them for a little while and then walk my way back, wave to the neighbors. Uh, there's something about being able to slow down that takes the pressures of everything that lowers or decreases the pressures of everything else. If, if I had been in that similar scenario, uh, and had a car or a motorcycle or something, I would be moving at a pace that would buzz right by all these people that I wouldn't think twice about, that I wouldn't stop have talked to, that I wouldn't got to have known, that I wouldn't have got to experience, that I wouldn't have been able to connect with in a, in a different sort of way. So I, I'm, as I look back, I'm so very grateful for the ability to move at this slower speed, to move at three miles an hour, to move at the speed of love. Um, when I was in Haiti, uh, I think even past couple times, you know, we did a lot of walking around. Um, and there's something, there's something about the slowness that allows you to the space to actually be open to others. There's something about the speed in which I often operate that keeps me closed off or separated from others because there's always somewhere else I have to be. When I understand that, um, and maybe, maybe it's the idea that when we, when we limit um, our ability to go and do, when we limit our capacity for travel or scheduling, then it allows us to focus on being where we are. Maybe that's the difference. So in, in the scriptures, you see Jesus, obviously, he's walking everywhere he goes. And, and it's always when he's walking that you see these little, uh, these what we might consider like inconveniences. He has these little disruptions. He's walking from one place to another and somebody uh, stops him. Somebody brings a sick person to him. Somebody, uh, the lady reaches out and grabs his garment, right? It's, and he always stops and takes the time to deal with whatever that thing is before he continues to move on. 
And you get the impression that what we would consider to be a disruption or a disturbance or that which is uh, getting in the way of what we're actually trying to do, you get the impression that 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 those disruptions were the thing was the thing that he was up to. Do you see? So Jesus, who is God, who is love, who is love, who has taken on flesh, walks, moves, breathes as a human. Love operates as a human in in the incarnation. And as a human, love is now moving at this average three mile an hour pace, which means that love now has the ability to see what we would consider an inconvenience as the as the actual thing that love has become that love was sent to do. <laughs> does that does that connect in your brains? I hope it does. I did a lot of uh, word acrobatics there. Hopefully that made sense. In my brain it did. By the way, someday I'll have to tell you about um, how <laughs> how in elementary school I was diagnosed with a disability, some sort of learning disability. And my guidance counselor, even in, up into high school, told me, don't do any sort of job that requires public communication. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't tell me what to do, man. I'll show you. Actually, there's a um, there's a book by a guy named uh, who is it? Malcolm Gladwell. I think it was his book. <laughs> like you've never heard of Malcolm Gladwell, uh, a, a little known author. I believe it's Malcolm Gladwell. Um, in his book David and Goliath, he talks about the whole premise of that book is about how the underdog isn't actually the underdog. And so he takes several situations like that where he talks about it's often the kids with the learning abilities, disabilities that go on to do great things. He wasn't, I don't think he was talking about me. <laughs> but uh, because they have to take extra time and care, uh, they have to study harder, like things aren't just given to them. It's, it's, it's much because it's much more difficult. Um, they actually are better for it. So it's the learning disability that actually leads them to becoming who they need to become. So uh, fingers crossed. I'm still hoping that works out for me. <laughs> but thanks, Malcolm, for giving me hope. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, man, I, if I, this is why, this is why when I give messages like in a, in a, in an actual public setting, why I have to, uh, have pretty decent notes it's it's for the sake of everybody listening if you know what i'm saying so anyways uh talking about so jesus is walking around and it's in it's it's in his it's love becoming flesh and moving at the speed of humanity that is the speed of love that is this average three miles an hour speed that we walk on average that allows love to do what love came to do which is to is to love. And what you see love doing is healing, feeding, being patient, giving wisdom. Like yeah, that that's that's what love should do. So if if I am continually moving much faster in my life, uh I miss out on the opportunity 
to step into that reality of love. Now, it doesn't mean I don't love, right? I love my kids. I love my wife. I love, I love a lot of things. But to move at this different kind of speed, this different kind of pace where it actually allows love to take root and to become an actual tangible thing, I think makes all it could make all the difference in the world. Um, I think when when I reminisce, when I think back to those times being in Haiti and Africa, wherever, that was the similar experience. Not to say that I am Jesus. I'm not. That's not the. That's not the thing, right? Obviously, um, but to say that I got to experience a, a similar kind of vibe. Right? As I walk to the market, as I, as I walk around the village, as I get to meet and interact with people, I got to show people love in a different sort of way than if I was just passing by, which I'm, which I'm forever grateful for because in not only did I get to show love, I got to experience love. And even if it wasn't, you know, obviously I'm not healing and feeding everybody. I'm not, I'm not the savior of all mankind, but it did allow for me to show love in, in a different um in a, in a, in a simpler way, you know, like the simple love of humanity to, to acknowledge somebody's humanity, to let, to let them know that I see them and, and to feel as if I've been seen. That's, that's, that's a big deal. That goes a, a long way, right? So I wonder sometimes if for the sake of modern convenience and the world we live in, we're moving a lot faster and we're missing out uh, on a big component of what's out there or what could be experienced just simply because of our pace of life. You know, so maybe maybe for us, we need the art and the practice of slowing down. Maybe this is why God, you know, even created the the Sabbath, which is like the day of rest. I think the Bible actually talks about that where it says man was... Uh, the Sabbath, what's it say? Uh, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man, right? It, God had built into this whole thing a day of rest, uh, an opportunity to slow down. You know, the, the reality, I understand the reality is that in the world we live in, I, I can't, I couldn't maintain my current lifestyle uh, if I, if I didn't move quickly. And I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not hyper busy all the time. Okay. But also I do have to drive to work, you know, and I think, I think we live 13, 15 miles from where I go to work. My life, my wife drives farther than that on a, on a fairly regular basis. Uh, these, these types of jobs and this way of living would not be possible if I had to walk everywhere, <laughs> right? So is moving at the speed of love three miles an hour, the average walking of a turtle and a human, is that a, is that a reality? Is that a, is that reality even possible in the world we find ourselves living in? No, probably, probably not, probably not. But is it possible that I could make some changes that I could adjust some things in my life that I do have moments that I have space within my schedule that allows me to move at a slower pace? Do I have moments or can I, can I, um, structure my weekends in such a way or structure parts of my day that I have the space to move slower? You know, um, 
one of the uh, I think it, there's a guy named Bob Goff. If you're familiar with him, he wrote this book called Love Does. I'm trying to look for it on my shelves. Uh, it's called Love Does, and it's it's a great it's a great book. It's a great premise. Bob Goff seems to be like this just an incredible dude, and his whole premise is like b- being open to saying yes, and be, because he says because the thought is like that's what love does. Love says yes, you know that sort of thing. Um, and one of his, one of the lines, I think he's written a couple of books now. One of the lines was like, uh, quit something every Thursday or something like that. <laughs> so it's easy to add things into our schedule. And the idea is that once a week you should stop doing something and you should stop doing something for the sake of being open to loving people. Uh, and so he has like story after story after story of people of things he's said yes to that has led him to like some pretty incredible opportunities in his life and to some pretty fun stories that if he had been too busy or if he didn't have um, the ability to adjust his schedule or flexibility, he would have completely missed out on. And I think that that kind of ties into this, this whole concept that we're talking about like the speed of love, it, that love moves slow. And so because he didn't, he doesn't hyper pack his schedule or his week or his whatever, it allows him to love people, whatever the thing comes up. Like there was a kid that asked him to use his boat randomly to do a proposal. And then he got all involved in that and like helped this kid to do this kind of epic proposal, which was, I think he started with like, uh, the kid asked if he could, do a proposal on his property. And so instead of just being like, no, leave me alone, he like uh, took that on for a little while and ended up helping this kid. And it went from a beach, a wedding on the beach or a a proposal on the beach to like Bob let him use his boat. And then they went out and then he called some friends at the uh, Coast Guard that helped him like just this whole crazy scenario. It reminded me of if you saw that movie, uh, Yes Man with Jim Carrey, you know, granted, in the movie, right? Like he goes way overboard and he's like, no, you just say yes to everything. And the lesson is like, you can't obviously say yes to everything. We understand that. But the idea is that when you're open to more, to, to things, uh, it, it, the, the more open you are, the, the, the different kind of life that you will be able to experience. And so rather than being shut off to everything, being willing to say yes will open you up to some new, fun, hopefully loving experiences. So with Bob Goff and the idea is if if you are so busy that you can't, that you don't have any flexibility to say yes to the things that show up in front of you, then you're also missing out on the ability to help love others. Which, again, I think ties into this very this same idea that we're saying that God, who is love, shows up in the form of Jesus. The incarnation is is love made flesh, and which means uh, as God is both fully divine and fully human, that God, who is love, is moving at the speed of humanity, which is three miles an hour. So love has this speed. And it's slow. And when we move at a slower pace, what you may find is that it allows you 
to love in in a deeper way, to love, to to express love uh, in in new ways, to experience love in different ways. Um, how much of your time, if you have kids, you understand this. How much of your time uh, do you spend like getting upset or getting bothered or you know, yelling at your kids, and I don't say yelling like in a mean way, just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Um, because you've got somewhere to be. Yeah, you're, because you're in a hurry to get to the next thing. How many of, of my issues with my kids could be avoided if we slowed down and I just simply, and, and, I, and I did a better job at loving them where they're at? You know, um, if I wasn't as worried about rushing to the next thing, would it be easy instead of being frustrated with my kid who forgets his stuff all the time, (laughs) everywhere he goes, or instead of being frustrated at him for his general slowness, because I'm like, we have to go. uh, What if I was able to find the value in just him being himself and moving at a pace that he does not get rattled, right? Like, wouldn't that be, instead of getting upset that my kid is struggling to tie his shoe quick enough, if I move at a slower pace and I realize that, hey, my kids are growing up fast and this time is gonna be gone before I know it. And so rather than being upset at the kid for taking too long, Maybe I should see this as an opportunity to spend time with my kid and teach this lesson on how to tie the shoe. <laughs> That's love moving at a slower kind of pace. And what that does is one, not only does it show my kid that I love him, not that they like question that. I don't think they I think they know that. But it gives us it's like this tangible hands-on moment where they get to experience. And it allows me to, you know, to to it allows me to experience love from their side in return. You see, so, but if I'm always busy, 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 go, 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 for what? You know, like, is, is, are there too many people who are trying to earn, and, and maybe you don't think of it that way, but it's almost like we feel the need that if we're not putting our kids in the best and if they don't have, uh, the, you know, the, the newest and the greatest things. And if they're not hyper-involved with all kinds of extracurricular activities, then then they're not having a, a good upbringing or they're not experiencing the kind of love we think they should. I don't, it's it's like weird when I, when I listen to parents talk about all the things that they think their kids need to be doing. And I'm like, yeah, but all your kids really want or need is like for you to be there. You know, um, I, so I, I guess I just I, I because of where I'm at in life, I under I feel like we are getting to the stage of being just continually busy. And I wonder sometimes if we are in this state of continual busyness, if we miss out on a deeper sense of love because we are moving too fast. And what it looks like to me in the scriptures is that God, who is love, who became flesh, who walked amongst us, who lived amongst us, 
who moved at an average pace of three miles an hour, the speed of love and turtles. Um, it looks like he was able to have a, a deeper significance, a deeper impact on the people around him, in front of him. And it looked like rather than seeing these things that just happened to him, these things as interruptions or disruptions or as annoyances, it's almost like those disruptions were the, were the important things. What if I could begin to see the disruptions not as disruptions and as the things uh, that will actually allow me to both give and receive love? Yeah. So <laughs> when you're at the grocery store and the lady needs help pushing her cart to the car, rather than saying, I don't have time, maybe simply taking a few moments to push her cart to her car for her wouldn't, one, not only make her day, two, give her a hand, three, make her feel loved, and four, give you a sense of loving somebody. Like, do you see? There, there's so many different things that I think pop up in our days that we rush by, and maybe by rushing through it, we miss out on the thing that is actually the better thing. So there you have it. That was just a few thoughts. Will you move slower? Will you move at the speed of love and turtles? <laughs> Will you be on the lookout for disturbances that aren't disturbances, but might in fact be the actual thing that we should be doing? Would you be willing to, to cut some of the extracurricular out of your life for the sake of providing margin for the sake of allowing yourself to show love to others. Huh. You know, the interesting thing, last bit, I know we're getting long here, but, uh, and I'll probably do something on this sometime, but the whole, the whole thing about uh, the scriptures is Jesus says, if you, uh, those who are looking to save their life will lose it, but those who are looking to lose their life will find it, right? Uh it carries with it this idea that when we are self-centered and self-focused, we think that's going to be the things that make us happy. We think that the things that will make us happy is by doing the things that we want and, and surrounding ourselves with what's best for us. But what the scripture talks about is how it's only in losing your life and letting go of the self and letting go of the ego that you will actually find the, that you will find the depth and significance of life that you're looking for. So in order, f so by me making life all about me, I will never find the satisfaction that I think I will find by making it all about me. It's only in making it all about not me that I will find the satisfaction that I'm looking for when I'm making it about me. <laughs> so... The whole point then is if I don't make my life about me and if I slow down and make my life less about me, it allows me to make my life more about others, which then allows me to, to experience the significance and satisfaction of life that I wouldn't experience if I was trying to make it all about me. So 
there you have it. I think that's perfectly clear as mud. There you go. The speed of love and turtles. You move at the same speed, the average walking pace of the average human and the average walking pace of the average turtle is about three miles an hour. And the average walking pace of a human that is the incarnation, that is love, is about three miles an hour. <laughs> love has a speed. There you go. Love has a speed. All right, my friends, family, mom, thanks for listening. I'm sending you guys all the love that I could possibly muster in your general direction. I hope that this day finds you well, wherever you are, whenever you are, whatever you're up to. My hope and my prayer for you is that you will move at the speed of love, that you will slow down and love the one you're with. I think that was a song, wasn't it? Love the one you're... That was an old song, like a hippie song. My hope and my prayer for you is that you will experience the kind of life that you were created to live. My hope and my prayer for you is that you will experience a new depth of love, of both giving and receiving love. All right, this has been the Sneaky Emu, episode 10. Episode 10, we will talk to you guys later. Teachings of the church and the state, we're here to treat